Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. You are in the spotlight with Brian Gardner for this Thursday, August the 13th, 2015. Good to have you all here for our second of two shows. I apologize for the late start time and the late notice. Uh, got stuck at work much longer than I needed to be. So, um, so yeah, that's why we're on a half hour later than planned. I already had pushed the show back to the 9 o'clock p.m. time slot because I knew that I'd be at work late, but it just ended up again later than planned. So my apologies, and again, because I, it was a kind of a last-minute thing that that happened, I wasn't able to let you all know any earlier than like 8.45 p.m. Eastern. So I do apologize. Usually I let you all know it more in advance, but tonight it was it was uh, kind of rough to do that. So my apologies. And then most of you, thankfully, check us out on Facebook and Twitter so you were able to get the information. But to those that weren't and tuned in at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and then kind of hung around, keep refreshing the page, wondering when we're going to start the show, um, I apologize to you. And, you know, a lot of you are used to the idea of us starting late. Sometimes even when we, we we don't know we're going to start late, we sit here and don't start till 20 after 9 or something. So you're all kind of accustomed to sometimes starting the show late. But and maybe that's a good thing because it prevented you from just giving up on us entirely for tonight. But whatever the case be, I do apologize to all of you for the late start here tonight. Um, the good news is we didn't really have to change the show. It was always going to be a shorter show because we knew it was going to be a 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern show. You all know when we do shows later like that, we always try to keep them as short as we possibly can. So nothing really changes. It wasn't going to be an overly long show tonight anyway. So, um, yeah, and as what we're going to do tonight, it is an entertainment show, so that means we will present our latest edition of the Box Office Beat. Um, we are going to talk about a few little entertainment news items, not a lot, just a few of the ones that you all have emailed me about you know, some of the ones that you all are interested in and some of the ones I think you might be interested in talking about. So we'll do a little bit with that. And just because I, I just wanted to add something else to the show. See, here's the dilemma. There's other things we, we want to do. All right, we've been, we've been promoting them, we've been hyping them, and we haven't had the time to do them. And there's other things we want to do, but we can't do them on a show when we start at like 9 o'clock, 9.30 p.m. We can't do that. We have to, it has to be on a normal night when we start the show at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and we have all this time. So we're not going to do any of those kind of things tonight. So I said, well, I want to add something. So, you know, we haven't done our TV report card in a while. And since I am the only host tonight, I figure it's the perfect opportunity to kind of bring back the TV report card and discuss a show in that segment that is not a show that Mike, my usual co-host, Watches because see here's the thing when we when Mike's here, I always try to discuss a show that we both have watched because then it, it, you can engage in a discussion about it. Um, but I said so in order to do that, I can't discuss a show that he doesn't watch. So um, why not take this opportunity here tonight? Was my thought uh, take this opportunity here tonight to discuss a show that he doesn't watch that. Maybe some of you have been wanting us to use in our TV report card segment. So that's what we're going to do tonight, and, and that's going to be our show tonight. So not a long show, probably an hour or so, and and that will be that. And um, so here goes nothing. Before we get going, itspotlight411 at gmail.com is the email if you'd like to have your voice heard or suggest topics or breaking news items or feedback or Whatever the case, react or comment um, on anything we're discussing or give your reaction to something we've said. Any of those things you can do via email. 
You can also follow us and tweet us at IT Spotlight 411. Again, it's at IT Spotlight 411. That's our Twitter handle. And you remember, and please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag IT Spotlight, or hashtag IT Spotlight 411. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for us using the full title of our show, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our page, like our page, and go ahead and post whatever it is you like to post. So that's how you can interact with us and contribute to our shows. Mike, again, is not here. So he is back, and in, in, he is home. Um, but he just got in several hours ago, a few hours ago, so he is kind of exhausted. Therefore, he is not in the show, but he is back from his trip. Um, so thankfully, he, he's made it back safe and sound, and he will be back with us for our shows next week. But once again, I am the only sh- uh, host here tonight. Justin, um, not here tonight. To, um, so... No Mike and no Justin. That only leaves me and, of course, Jeff Tech, who I'm very glad to have here with me tonight. Um, Jeff Tech, of course, our technical guru, he is here with me tonight. I'm very glad that since he's come back, he's pretty much been here every show. He told me originally it was going to be sparingly, but he's been here every show. And I've been very glad to have him because, remember, he is, once we get to the fifth anniversary in October, he is he is not going to be... Um, working with us anymore. So it's good to have him here as often as we possibly can. So I'm glad to have him here tonight, especially, again, in light of the fact I'm the only host. So it just makes you feel like somebody else is here, even though they're not, you know. And even though he doesn't come on the show and talk, it still feels, it's it's a more reassuring feeling, to be honest with you. So uh, a couple of things really quickly, um, a couple of little reminders and a couple of little notes here. This coming Tuesday, next next week it's going to be full of special shows. So our usual stuff, like any sports discussion, our usual entertainment discussion, we won't be doing next week unless we somehow have, <laughs> pardon me, have the time. And as I said it to you all on Tuesday night, it's more likely if something big has to be discussed, like something big happens with the PGA Championship, something big, something else in sports, something big happens, or something big in entertainment happens, something that, we, that really just needs to be discussed right out of the back, right out of the gate. You know, it has to be discussed next week. If something like that were to transpire, okay. Or, you know, if we really wanted to fit something in from either sports or entertainment, it'd be more likely that we do that on Thursday because Thursday's a wrestling show. And I think we can kind of rework some things and squeeze something. We've done that before. It would more than likely not be on Tuesday. Now, and the reason why is because Tuesday, Tuesday's show will focus exclusively on the reveal, of, on the announcement of the 5th Annual In the Spotlight TV Award nominations. We will announce the nominations on Tuesday, the whole show, that will be what we will be doing. And then, of course, we'll also reveal the awards that you can vote on live during the In the Spotlight TV Awards on Thursday, September 17th. So that's what's coming up on Tuesday. And you all know the drill. Whenever we've done stuff like that, you know, nomination announcements or actual awards, we're never able to do anything else on that on those nights. So, yeah, so that's what's coming up on Tuesday. Obviously, a huge show for us always is. And then next Thursday will be an all-wrestling show as we preview WWE's SummerSlam pay-per-view event, which will be taking place a week from this Sunday on the WWE Network and on pay-per-view. Obviously, we'll do what we always do, preview the car, make predictions for all the matches, and then later on in the show, as always, answer questions or comments from the listeners related to wrestling. And again, if something has to be discussed and we really want to fit something in, we can probably... Do that on Thursday again. We can rework some things. It's easier to do it for that for the wrestling show. Add some things outside of that content than it is to do that for Tuesday with the nominations. So 
Next week, two special shows, Tuesday and Thursday, two huge shows. You do not want to miss that. And then the week after, um, and then really the two weeks after next week. Uh, next, uh, once we get through next week where we have two shows, we're pretty much going to be only down to one show a week for two weeks. And that happens every August. Anybody that's listened to us long enough knows that at the end of August, the last two weeks of August, we always preempt on Thursdays. We always do. Uh, we'll have a show on Tuesday, a boat weeks, and that show will just be a little bit of sports and a little bit of entertainment. It'll be a mixture, and that's what we'll do. Um, and that's what you'll get for two weeks. And then come the first week of September, the first full week of September, which will be the week of Labor Day, September 7th. So next, so that, so starting with that September 8th show, we'll be back on a normal schedule again, two shows a week, and that will pretty much carry us through the fall uh, right into Thanksgiving. So... Um, just keep all that stuff in mind here. Just want to update you on all on that as far as the schedule and what's coming up and all that good stuff. Now, one more thing. I got a lot of mail about Tuesday's show. And one of the things I've always said to you all over the five years we've been doing this show, we've had 550 episodes of this show in five years. And one of the things I've always said I know I don't have to listen to a show, but I never listen to shows back. I mean, the one exception I made was the first show we ever we ever did, and last month I did a lot, I did a little bit of listening, and that's one of the reasons why I made a lot of the changes we made, because I felt like I had to make some changes, not necessarily because the audience was telling me so, but because I felt we needed to, and so far it's been for the best. But uh, I, I most of, like I said, ninety nine percent of the time I rely on what the audience tells me. And, but I also know, too, I've been doing this long enough. Anybody comes up to me after any show I do, I'll be able to tell you how I felt about that show. Some people have to think about it, you know, sweep on it, and then they'll let you know next morning, hey, you know, oh, yeah, it wasn't a bad, you know, they'll tell you next morning. I can tell you right during the broadcast how I feel about the show. There's sometimes where I sit here during the show and I'm like, oh, we're doing great. We're having great conversations. People are interacting with us. Everything's clicking. We're getting. We're. We're. You know. It's just working. And then there's shows where it's just kind of normal, where some things work, some things don't, or you know, sometimes we meander, sometimes we don't. And then there's the shows that are just dreadful. And we haven't had too many of those. We haven't had too many of those. But we every once in a while we do. I thought Tuesday's show was dreadful. Dre- absolutely dreadful. You know. And, and a lot of times the, the worst shows are the ones that we have to do late or the ones that we have to do, you know, kind of squeeze them in around our, our daily lives. And, and that's because, you know, you kind of rush things and your your mind's rattled and you've had a long day and, you know, you're not as into it. And, and you know what? That's going to happen. It happens to the best hosts. It happens whether they're radio, TV, what have you. It happens. Anybody will tell you that there's some shows that go well and some shows that don't. Now, I got feedback about Tuesday. People said, yeah, it was a little bit all over the place and that, but they didn't think it was a bad show. Uh, go, if I go by the audience, the audience never feels like we have a bad show, which is, I guess is a good thing, but at the same time, I'm, I guess I'm far more critical of myself. I knew right out of the gate on Tuesday we did not have a good show. I knew it. So when I got off the air as a whole, I was like, oh, that was rough. Yeah, if you ask me right now, I can't tell you what kind of show we have because so far all we've done is, you know, kind of like 
procedural stuff, you know, reminders and all that good stuff. So I can't really give you an idea of how show, how the show's going right now. But ask me again in about a half hour, and I'll be able to tell you. But, yeah, I thought Tuesday was dreadful. So, you know, whenever I feel like we have one of these horrid shows, if I have the opportunity, I always like to apologize to people. Like, I always like to apologize to the listeners because I feel like that's a, a failure on my part because this is my show, okay? All right? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's the listener's show, but I'm the one that makes, in the end, I'm the one that constructs it and puts it together. I'm the one that, you know, talks through the show, organizes it, moves the show, makes it flow. I'm the one that does that. So if it doesn't click, it's on me. So it's my responsibility when it doesn't to take to, to take responsibility for it and apologize, and I'm going to do that. Regardless of what time it started and regardless of anything that was going on with me that day, it was still a not a good show, and I apologize to our listeners for it. I think it was not a good show. So that's why I want to take the opportunity to do right now before we get going here tonight is to apologize to the listeners for what was, in my opinion, a rough show. And hopefully tonight will be better. And then next week we'll have both things will be back to normal. We'll have Mike back and we'll probably have Justin next week as well. So we'll have some good we'll we got some good stuff on tap and as you go into the fall and closing on the anniversary, we got some really huge stuff. A lot of the stuff we've been hyping we'll be putting into practice, so should be good stuff coming up. Alright, so without further ado, enough of all the, you know, informative stuff and apologies and whatnot. Let's get right in to what we have for tonight's show. And we'll start, as always, when we do these entertainment shows, usually we start with the box office beat, and tonight we will do that here. And really, this box office beat, we talked about this last week when we set the stage for last weekend. First of all, you're in August now. We have, we're, we're, this, is, this is the end of summer, okay? You know, I, I, I mentioned this numerous times when we talked about the way the summer is laid out for the box office. You know, if you go back, when I was, when I was growing up, and I was really young, probably until I was about 12 years old, okay? And keep in mind, I'm 29 years old now. Um, the way it always worked was the summer box office really didn't get started until on Memorial Day. But obviously, around 2002, that got changed. You know, Spider-Man opened the first week of May and changed the entire game. Now, the full month of May is all about the box office. May sees some of the biggest releases of the summer and of the year. And then you get June, which kind of is, is, is not as big of a month, except for maybe one or two movies at the end. Then you get July, which has the big 4th of July weekend, and then the third week of July, which is, features big movies. And then... You know, usually you get a couple of small movies at the end. I maybe get one big movie in August that, like, Guardians of the Galaxy kind of brought that back last year, and then that's it. You know, May probably brings the biggest releases. May and the 4th of July weekend. That's when you see the biggest releases. And, you know, I mean, obviously that's the way it is now. Um, you know, August used to bring, way back when, August used to bring a lot more bigger releases. You didn't see the summer box office season pretty much end to the third week of August. Now, like I said, you kind of get one big movie, if you're lucky, the first week of August, and then that's it. You're, it's done. This year, as we talked about last week, in, in reality, once, you, once we saw the release of Ant-Man, even that wasn't expected to be this big blockbuster. You know, 50, 60 million was pretty much it. It's like Mission Impossible. Again, 50, 60 million. 
once you got beyond minions with their hundred and ten million, all the big big stuff is goes gone. The really big stuff, you know, the hundred million dollar, eighty, ninety, hundred million dollar stuff was gone. You know, we got spoiled last year with Guardians late, which again is kind of the opposite of this year where the first half of the year and the first half of the summer had the big stuff big stuff. The end of the summer, second half of the year so far doesn't have the big stuff. Of course we know bigger movies are coming down the pike in the fall. But Again, again, you know, it's 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 this summer has been strange because you know we've seen how it's kind of ebbed and it's flowed. Beginning of May brought the Avengers. First couple of weeks of May were huge. April with Fast Furious Seven was huge. Then you had the begin. You had May, which was huge. Memorial Day weekend was not that big, but then the week after, San Andreas kind of brought it back. June brought some good stuff on Inside Out and Jurassic World, more bigger stuff than you'd imagine, than you than you would have seen in the last couple of years, because June's more or less an animated and comedy month. Well, this year, you stick Jurassic World in there, and of course, uh, Inside Out surpasses expectations, and you get a big month. And July, Fourth of July weekend, ends up not being too big of a weekend, just like Memorial Day weekend. So the two holiday weekends don't end up doing what they usually do, more or less because you've had you had properties. Between those holidays that drove business and, and kept business high, and I guess, the, I guess the effect was that the holiday weekend releases didn't do as well. And maybe they weren't going to do as well anyway, no matter what happened. But I digress. Then the week after, you had Minions do what it was supposed to do. And then after that, you had releases like Ant-Man and Mission Impossible, which, again, are like $50, $60 million movies. And for many, the summer has already, summer box office been over for a few weeks. Yeah, you had Mr. Impossible do well. Yeah, you had Ant-Man do well. But these aren't, you know, it doesn't feel the same as like you, the releases you got in May. Where, you know, you were tracking them like, oh, how much money will they make, you know? It's not the same thing. It's pretty average kind of releases. The only reason why they're, they're you know, maybe higher than the average release is because of summer. And, they're in, you know, that obviously inflates things a little bit. So, you know, for many, the summer box office has already slowed, and it's it's kind of petering out. Now, last year, you opened August for Guardians of the Galaxy, which obviously was the biggest movie of the summer. And for the longest time until Hunger Games was the biggest domestic movie of the year. This year, you opened August with that same slot with Fantastic Four. One of the most... One of the most pre-release hated movies I've seen in a summer. See, it, the way that this movie, the build-up to this movie has been fascinating. You hear that they're going to reboot Fantastic Four. And nobody was surprised by that announcement. Because, you know, obviously comic book movies are ruling Hollywood and you know, the previous two Fantastic Four movies were not well received, so they made a profit enough to know that if you did if you did it right, that you could do something special. And they go get a hot young director and Josh Trank. They get some good ca- a, a good young cast, and yeah, there's some controversy there. But at the same time, you got good actors. You're thinking we could put together a good product. And all you've heard since they started filming was controversy after controversy, criticism after criticism. But then a trailer comes out, and everybody starts thinking, eh, maybe there's some potential. Very split, I'd say, reaction over the trailer. 
over the trailers. And then, you know, as you get closer, you start hearing more and more about the production of the movie, and the negative starts to get under, out of control, culminating in Comic-Con, where their Comic-Con pa- the Fantastic Four Comic-Con panel was abysmal, and then, you know, all the hearing about reshoots and 3D wasn't happening. And then, of course, opening night, Josh Trank with the infamous tweet saying that that wasn't the movie he wanted to make, which, again, just, you know, any traction. And, and look, this movie wasn't going to get a lot of traction anyway. The minute, on opening day, the minute people came out of that theater trashing it, was it. Okay, it wasn't going to get traction. That is a movie that was going to rely on. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, wow, you know, word of mouth, word of mouth, and what the critics say about movies seems to be driving uh, driving the audience this year more than it ever has. No, it's not. It's not. It's just it's only doing it on certain movies. All right? And this is a movie that people were going to go look to other people to see first. And they're going to wait and see what they say. This is one of those movies where people will look at the critics and say, what do you think? Because it's a movie that people are unsure of. It's a movie that they, if they follow along, they know there's been a lot of things said that have been negative. And when that happens, people want to hear what others have to say before they, put their, they spend their well-earned money on going to see it. So, of course, they're going to turn to what their, if their friends saw, hey, what did you think of it? And if they say they hated it, well, if they value their friend's opinion or if they share similar tastes in movies, then they're not going to go see it. Same thing with a critic. They might seek out a critic because they might be not be able to find somebody that's seen the movie. So they look at a critic. Maybe they go look at a critic that oftentimes agree, they agree with or has similar taste to them. And if that critic says that movie was a piece of garbage, they're not going to go see it. All right, this is not like Jurassic World. This is not like a Marvel Studios movie, okay? People are not going to give it the benefit of the doubt because Fox's history is not good with comic book movies. X-Men has been, until X-Men Days of Future passed, Fox had to bail down every X-Men movie because after a while people got sick of what they were getting. But then you got the first class, which built up a little bit of trust. Then you got the Wolverine, which built up a little more trust. So that by the time X-Men Days of Future Past came out and then people went and saw it and it got a positive response, they built enough trust back that now people will give X-Men the benefit of the doubt. But Fox has not had a Fantastic Four movie since Fantastic Four 2, which was abysmal. People don't have that trust there yet. So they're going to rely on what word of mouth and what critics say. But no, that's not what's driving every single movie's box office right now, okay? It's not happening. It's not what's killing some movies. It's not what's bringing some movies to flop levels. It's not happening. With certain movies, yes, it probably does hurt them, and it did here. But this movie was not was was going to hurt itself anyway. People were not going to come out to see this movie on their own. They needed to hear reassurance. They needed to hear something from a friend or a critic that said, "Hey, this movie came together surprisingly well." If they heard that, then they would be inclined to go to the theater. That's why this movie was never going to have a huge opening weekend. It wouldn't have had it anyway, but it wasn't going to have above a 50. It wasn't going to pull an Ant-Man number because people are unsure. This is a movie that could have had good legs going through August if it ended up being good because people would have said, oh, if we're heard about it, and go, oh, okay, it's good. All right, I'll go out next weekend and see it, or I'll go out on Monday and see it. And it would have built and built and built. 
and the second one would have reaped the benefits of the first one because people would have said, oh, well, the first one was good, so now I'll go out to see the second one. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. Obviously, this movie was the ne- the negativity surrounding it ended up being ended up being accurate. I'm not gonna get into all the theories or all the rumblings out there because I think they've all been said, and that's not what this segment's about. What this segment's about is what happened at the box office, the broader implications of it. Where do we go? Where does everything go from here? And here's what happened. Fantastic Four didn't even do what was expected of it. It had a decent opening day, one that, you know, if they had carried, you know, a, 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 you made $11 million on Friday. They made two, two, a little over $2 million on Thursday night screenings. $11 million on Friday. So you figure, you know, Saturday's usually a big day for business. If it had carried about $11, 12000000 million, Maybe around $25 million. It could have closed around 40 on Sunday. And, again, most people are going around 45 You know, I think the hope at Fox was to we try to get to 40 and take number one because you knew where Mission Impossible was going to end up was going to be around 30 maybe 35 But when you crash from 11 to 8 on on Saturday and then even further on Sunday with 6, you're done. You're done. So Mission Impossible wins the weekend again, and, you know, they did exactly as expected, so nothing to see there. The story is Fantastic Four. And what do you do here? What was the broader implications? Well, first of all, I don't think there are broader implications because this was the this was the one movie we all knew all summer had the potential to flop. Because of all the rumblings, because of all the negativity, we knew that it had the potential to flop. But it also could have surprised us, too. That's why it was, it was one of the biggest storylines of the summer, how this movie would do and how it would turn out. I've seen the movie. We'll give a review on a, a future show. And that's where we'll talk more about what happened with the production and everything else. I've seen the movie. The criticisms are very much merited. I think some, some things are overblown, yeah. But I think the negativity is, is you know, for the most part about the movie, not about the casting, but about the script and the way it was all put together, I think a lot of the criticisms are very well merited. Very much so. Very much so. But broader implications, the only broader implications it's going to have is for Fox. Look, the box office didn't do horrendous last weekend. Look, Fantastic Four did about $25 million. Miss Impossible did 30 It's August. You know, expectations were probably lower than they would have been any, any other three months of the summer. Anyway, we're going into the tail end of the summer now. You know, and, and there's some potential for this weekend, the man from UNCO, to actually surpass expectations. So it might end up equaling out last weekend anyway. And the box office has had such a great year from, start to, from, from the beginning of the year till now. With very few, you know, flops and very few negative things to say as far as move, how movies have done, that you know they're not going to complain. And with the fall that we got lined up here with so many big movies, that you know there's no reason to be concerned about how the box office is drawn. There isn't. 
But it is unfortunate that, you know, Fantastic Four, you know, hey, if Fantastic Four come together, then, hey, you could have had a surprise hit there. And that cast deserved better, and, and uh, that crew probably deserved better. I mean, a lot, of people, a lot of people on that movie deserved better. They did. I mean, but like I said, the only broader implications here are for Fox. Because whether they green light the sequel or not, and all indications are that they're still going ahead with the sequel. Now, keep in mind, Warner Brothers said that same thing after Green Lantern flopped. They said that same thing. Oh, we're still going to go ahead with it. Uh, and then, you know, after a while, it just kind of faded. And it, and sometimes that's the way a studio, that's the way the studio handles it because they want to save face. They're like, oh, you know what, we don't, we green with the sequel before the movie came out. We don't want to have egg on our face. We're going to stick to our guns and say, oh, yeah, we're still going to make the sequel. Keep saying it until eventually people stop thinking, stop thinking about this movie and this franchise, and then we just let it go. And that's probably what they're going to do here. I can't, in a, in, in a mil, I can't imagine them doing Fantastic Four 2 under this current direction. I can't, unless they say, unless, you know, for for one thing, there's there's two things here. Some people suggest, I've seen people suggest to me, a couple people have emailed me and said, well, what what if they change directors? You know, what if they change directors? That's a, I mean, if they change directors, then I guess, but then you got to get that cast to buy in. Those cast, that, that cast bought in to Josh Trank's vision. All right, I'm not even sure if that, I mean, unless that cast is signed on for more than one movie. If they are, then, you know, you can make them do it. Might not be happy about it, but make them do it. But, see, here's the thing. That cast might be down on this entirely. For all the negativity that's surrounding this production. They might just be like, hey, you know what, we don't want any part of this anymore. We don't want to deal with this. We're done, you know. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that even if you got a different director that you could bring all these cast members back and make a better product. And then, of course, if you, if you, get, a, if you get another director, you know, will he get along with Fox or will he get along with this crew? We have another situation like we just had again. You know, Fox is very, I mean, that, that, I mean that's the key. Can they all work together and get on the same page and produce a good movie? I mean, that's, that's the thing. Or do you just scratch the whole thing and wait it out and then in a few years, five or six years again, try again with a, a, another cast? Which is what people suspect they will do. Or they'll sell the rights tomorrow. And, and look, you know, I, I, everybody's got, gotten on this, this boat here. And I, I've seen a lot of people say, well, maybe there was a movement, uh, even before the reviews for this movie came out. And because I remember, this, this movie's been surrounded by negativity since day one for one reason or another. There's been a movement uh, that was designed by people, but, but this, that was designed to get people not to go see the movie because they wanted Fantastic Four's rights to go to back to Marvel. Now, maybe they'll try that same thing with X-Men, because remember, ever since Sony gave, uh, made that deal with Marvel for Spider-Man, now everybody thinks there's potential to give everything back to Marvel. And I don't know if that's going to happen with X-Men, because X-Men's got far more goodwill right now than Fantastic Four does as far as movies go. But, you know, there was this movement, and I see a lot of people go, well, maybe that movement played a role in why Fantastic Four didn't do it. I don't think it did. That was an online kind of grassroots movement, and honestly, I didn't really even see it gain that much traction. Okay, I didn't. But just because this movie flopped does not mean that it automatically reverts back to Marvel. 
first of all, Marvel would have to, you know, Marvel always had interest in Spider-Man being a part of the MCU. I don't know what their interest would be in Fantastic Four. Okay? I don't know. And right now, the Fantastic Four brand might be so damaged that I don't even know if Marvel would want to even touch that right now. You know, maybe down the road, once they've gotten beyond what they've lined up already, they'd be more willing to take a chance on. But right now, like, I don't think they want to force the Fantastic Four in the current state that they're in into their plans for the next four or five years. You know, Spider-Man was damaged, yes, but he's still Spider-Man. The character has so much, is so popular and at least the at least Spider-Man had two good, really good movies under Sam Raimi going for him. Whereas Fantastic Four, in many people's eyes, did to have a good movie. And was already, you know, struggling with popularity before the movies even came out. So, you know what? I don't know if Marvel, what, what, regardless of the bad movies, we want to step in here right now. I really don't. X-Men, I could see. And maybe that's part of the deal. You know, I know... Uh, Fox wants to have an X-Men television program, and they've been working with Marvel because Marvel has the TV rights. You know, maybe that's part of the deal. Hey, maybe in in that deal, you know, Marvel says, hey, we'll let you do the TV show if you let us use some of the X-Men characters and maybe even some of the Fantastic Four characters. You know, a friend of mine off the air told me an interesting thing. I could see the only Fantastic Four character I could really see Marvel being really interested in using at this particular juncture is Dr. Doom, because they might need a villain for, you know, even after after Thanos, you know. And, and that's why I could see Fantastic Four being something down the line, after Infinity War. You know, once you defeat Thanos, you know, the Avengers might need a new villain. So you go into Dr. Doom, you bring on the Fantastic Four and use Dr. Doom. You know, that makes sense. Right now, though, I don't really think it does. But again, you could see maybe Marvel says, "Hey, you know what? Hey, Fox, you want to do the X Men show? Fine. You let us use. We we share these characters. We share in just like we do with Sony with Spider Man. We share in these characters. We share the X Men characters. We share the Fantastic Four characters. You still get to make a movie here and there. We get some creative control like we did with Sony, and we work in conjunction with each other from now on. I could see that potential there, and that's the only way I can really see Fantastic Four in any way, shape, or form making it into the Marvel Universe right now. I don't think it'll happen on its own. I think it'll happen as part of a deal involving X-Men. I just, I, again, I, I just, you know, and whether Marvel's even interested in X-Men, because remember, I think that's one of the reasons why they pushed in humans so hard, was because they didn't think they'd get the rights back to X-Men, so they're like, all right, well, we need some kind of powered people in the universe, uh, and so they go get the Inhumans. They use the Inhumans, you know? And that way they don't have to push hard with Mar- to, to get X-Men back. That doesn't mean they wouldn't go get X-Men, but, I mean, I don't think they have to. I don't think it's a necessity. I think Spider-Man really, in, in, in way, shape, or form, was a necessity for them. To me, that was obvious. I mean, there were rumors about a Spider-Man... Uh, a Spider-Man involvement in the MCU since day one, since the first Iron Man. It was always there 
So that to me said a lot about the fact what what they wanted to do with Spider Man and how and how badly they wanted him in the universe. That to me said a lot about that, and that's why you know I wasn't surprised when Sony and 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 Marvel came to that agreement. But we'll see what happens. But the broader implications are this limited to what will Fox do with this franchise? You know, and will Marvel say, what will this do to the comic book, the Mar- the Marvel uh, comic book universe, uh, the co- Mar- Marvel movie universe, if anything? I mean, th- th- that's really what the broader implications are. It doesn't say anything about the movie landscape or the box office or anything like that in general. You know, it, it really doesn't. It'll be fascinating to see the aftermath of this unfold. And nothing about this is surprising. We all knew it had the potential to flop. Nothing about this is surprising at all. But it's going to be fascinating to see the aftermath of this, for sure. I mean, there's been a lot of things. You know, they they might go still go ahead with the sequel. Who knows how they'll do that. They might not go ahead with the sequel and give the spot that they've already set aside for the sequel to Deadpool 2, which, you know... Obviously, Deadpool is getting a lot more positive reactions throughout its production. But again, if they did that, and for anybody that doesn't know, if they did that, they'd have to rush a Deadpool sequel. They'd really have to rush it, and that might not be good. Then again, that's when First Class was a, a, a rush job, and look how good that movie was. So, but we'll see what happens. There's a lot of threads here, a lot of things interesting, a lot of things fascinating. We'll see how they unfold here in the immediate aftermath and in the months to come. Now, as you go into this weekend, to me, all eyes are on a potential surprise. And that surprise is Man from Uncle, starring Henry Cavill, Army Hammer. Now, there's a couple of things going on here that I want to I wanna bring to your, to your attention, to all of your attention. Um, first of all, second week of August, last, again, last maybe 10 years or so, not a very big weekend. Last year, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the heels of uh, on the heels of Guardians, and obviously both movies did well. So that was, you know, a, a rare occurrence. You know, those two movies drove August, and then of course you had the Expendables from here do some things in August. I mean, but really, as a whole, 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 once you get beyond the first week of August, it's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much it as far as. Um, big weekends and stuff like that. But anyway, I digress. Um, There's a lot, you know, of talk this weekend about A Man From U.N.C.L.E. and Straight Outta Compton. A Man From U.N.C.L.E. could be a surprise in my opinion. Straight Outta Compton, everybody's been always thinking, you know, 30, 35, 40, 45 million dollars, okay? Everybody's been thinking that. So this is one of those rare occurrences where you might get a decent box office draw at number one in the second week of August. And, and it'd be really shocking considering how uh, last week's number one, number two did as far as gross goes. Um, not that Mission Impossible's gross was a bad thing, but again, based on what it did, it'd be shocking to have number one and two both draw what, what people think they could this weekend. Now, Straight Outta Compton is definitely going to gross over $30 million. Most people are saying 40 maybe even 45 to me, a big surprise could be a man from Uncle. Now, here's the thing. Henry Cavill, obviously Man of Steel did very well, but after its first week, it really did fall apart. But overall, it did well. 
Army Hammer has not had luck at the box office. You know, Social Network obviously did okay, but that, again, that wasn't big numbers, and it wasn't supposed to be big numbers. But you look at the Lone Ranger, and a lot of people at the, you know, there's been so much talk about how Johnny Depp's star has fallen as far as box office grossing goes. But Army Hammer, you know, that was supposed to be his big kind of vehicle, okay? And it didn't. It, it wasn't. Here's an opportunity for Army Hammer. You know, Henry Cavill is great, but he's not Johnny Depp. So Army doesn't have to really live in that shadow in this movie. Okay, he won't get overshadowed here. It's going to be an equal balance. This movie has a lot of vibes of, like, uh, Kingsman earlier this year. It's got a little bit of James Bond. It's got a fun vibe to it. It's a fun action thriller kind of movie. And that's actually a good thing to have come out right now. You know, it's a good summer movie. And right now, with not much competition going on right now, as a lot of these movies have been out long enough where they're not going to really hurt this movie. It's a good time to release it. And I think, I actually think this movie could exceed expectations. It's getting a very positive response. You know, you saw how well Kingsman did earlier this year. These kind of spy movies are doing really well right now. So I think that there's an audience here for this. Again, with Straight Outta Compton coming out, I don't know how good Man from Uncle can do. But it wouldn't, most people think 20 million right now. I could see it squeaking to 30. I could see it surprising and making more than $10 million more. I could see it making $10 million more. And I could also see it surprising the rest of this month and having some good legs. While Straight Outta Compton will probably drop considerably after its first week because it's going to be a very front-loaded kind of movie because anybody who wants to see it is probably going to rush out to see it, which is not a bad thing. It's just that's the way it is. But... Man from Uncle might be one of those movies that over the next couple of weeks just kind of hangs around and keeps doing good business. So, you know, like I said, this the, the top two this weekend could end up making up for what was the Fantastic Four flop last week, and and kind of putting you know making up the difference at any, as far as expectations go for August so far. So to me, you know, how much Straight Outta Compton does. And if Man from Uncle can surprise, I think it has the potential to surprise and surpass expectations and be a surprise hit this summer. You know, that's really the storylines this weekend. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we'll see how far Fantastic Four drops. Last weekend, The Gift and Ricky and the Flash did okay, you know, did about what people thought it would do. Um but, you know, Mission Impossible, they were expected. So, again, the story last week was Fantastic Four. And this weekend, it's straight out of Compton. It's a man from Uncle. How far are Fantastic Four's right? There's a couple of things to keep an eye on, as I just mentioned. And we'll see how they all develop. And, obviously, we'll talk about them, um, you know, next time we discuss the box office. We'll talk about the implications of, of how it all unfolded. And next week, next weekend... You have American Ultra and Hitman, Agent 47, as well as Sinister 2. Um, here's the issue. All three of these movies, now see, what's interesting is American Ultra, you oftentimes see a lot of these kind of movies, these limited kind of smaller release kind of movies, you know, get released later on in August. And American Ultra kind of is that kind of thing, okay? Um but then you got Hitman, Agent 47, which a lot of times that kind of movie would be a September release. 
like some kind of action movie that they couldn't fit into summer because they were worried it would get, you know, swallowed up by everything else. That usually waits till September, but this time they're releasing it in the third week of August. And then you got Sinister 2, which, you know, you're surprised they didn't just wait till Halloween or October. But, you know, it's been a while since we had a horror movie. Here it is. And here, but, and so on paper, this actually could not be, this might actually be one of those rare third weekends at the box office, and third weekend of August box office weekends in recent years that actually does okay. And it probably will end up doing so. Again, between this weekend and next weekend, might offset the first weekend flop of Fantastic Four. So again, the box office picking itself up again. That's what it's done all year. Whenever there's been a surprise flop or a flop of any nature, it's picked itself back up. But we'll see, because here's the issue. All three of those movies next weekend are going after the same audience. They're all appealing to males. I mean, women can't see them, but their main demographic is males. So somebody's going to get pushed out. You could see maybe you could see maybe two movies being able to divide up and, and both make a you know a decent enough profit, but you can't see all three. Somebody's going to get swallowed up. We'll see who it is. We'll see how things track as we get closer to those movies being released next weekend. So that should be an interesting kind of setup for that weekend at the box office. And then after that, really, the summer is truly over. You know, you got beyond all these small releases. You're headed towards Labor Day, and people aren't at the movies. You know, they might go on late, actual Labor Day to the movies to catch up on some movies that are released, but you're not going to see too many new releases. And, you know, that la- that last week of August and that first week of September is always rough at the box office. It just is. You know, people just don't go to the movies. Unless you get some really, like, rainy weather and they have no choice. All right, so... That's it for all the box office stuff. We covered all the major stories from last weekend, major headlines, all the major stories and headlines for this weekend. We talked a little bit about next weekend. So that's good enough right there. Um, We're going to do the TV report card next because when you talk about entertainment news, you know, um, how many things we do with that segment, how much news we discuss is always dependent on time. So I can kind of make that segment as long or as short as I want to to do. So that's why I rather leave that for last because if we if we're going a little too long, then I can always cut that in half and you know put some stuff off until next time or whatever. So so we'll do the TV report card segment first. And as I said, one of the reasons why I, in addition to this, wanting to have something else on the show tonight, one of the reasons why I want to do this because it gets the opportunity to discuss a show that my co-host Mike doesn't watch. Because when he's on, I like to discuss shows that he watches so that he can engage in the conversation. Well, tonight we're going to take the opportunity to discuss a show that I know he doesn't watch. And it's a show that, in my opinion, excuse me, I had to drink something. My throat was getting extremely dry. It's a show that, in my opinion, in my opinion, Really, it's still a really good show. It really, really, truly is. But, I mean, and you know what the weirdest part is? It hasn't lost anything in the ratings. Um, It's still at number one, as far as scripted shows go, at least. But it really is number one. Um, And... 
you know, if you go around the, online, for the most part, for the most part, there's nobody, I mean, you don't see too much negativity, but when I introduced this segment back in the spring, this show was one of the shows that people wanted us to kind of evaluate. And then I started doing more research, and there is a lot of people that do not think that this show is as good as it once was. And I find that fascinating given the ratings either increase or stay the same. Critics still rave about this show. It's never been an Emmy, darling. It never will be. It's just not going to be. But, you know, it's, it, I, just don't, I, I just don't get that there is that many people that feel negative about this show. And I understood it after season four, because I know the last half of season four for many people was not that good. But to me, season five was easily the best season of this show. And yet there seems to be a huge amount of people, and I do mean that huge, that do not think highly of this show anymore. And that's why we're going to discuss it right here, right now. Um, and that shows The Walking Dead. Now, this is a hard segment for me to do right now because, like I said, I don't see anything wrong with this show right now. I mean, not everything's perfect, but I don't see anything alarming about this show right now from a writing, directing, or production standpoint. I think it's never been better. You know, I've, I've watched this show from the beginning, and I've sat through some pretty bad stuff on that show. Season one was okay. Season two was hit or miss. Season three, to me, was hit or miss. The first half of season four I enjoyed. The last half of season four, I thought, aside from the, the Grove episode, I thought was horrible. I saw what they were trying to do, but they just didn't, they just, to me, didn't know quite how to, to, to handle it. But I thought they did a better job of that in season five. And I thought season five from start to finish, maybe there was one or two episodes I didn't think were that great. But for the most part, I thought they tried some different things. You know, some of the de- the, the deaths that they did, particularly Tyrese's, was, was really well done. You know, the finale, I thought, was, you know, a lot of people like to, to get upset with the finale because they thought, some, you know, some major characters were going to get killed. Look, they had killed off enough major characters. They didn't need to do that. I thought what they did with the finale was an absolute tour de force. I thought it was a fascinating hour and a half of television. I love the way that they're focusing so much more on character now instead of just having, you know, zombies attack. And there's so much character-rich stuff. And I think one of the reasons why that is is because of the fact that with this show being on five years now, they have so much they can mine. Like, I think one of the things that, you know, they killed off these characters, and, and they killed off these characters, this is Bath, Tyrese, they did that because the actors were going to leave anyway. I don't think they would have killed off that many characters in that short period of time if the actors didn't want to. I think Bob, I think Bob was, only, that was the only character that they probably didn't, didn't, didn't have to kill off. But it gave them the opportunity in, in many ways to have the characters look at themselves in story and reflect. You know, you look at the second half of season five, from the second episode of the second half of season five to the end of the season, there is a lot of rich character stuff there. From Sasha's post-traumatic stress to, you know, Glenn and, and kind of how he's kind of come, coming along as a leader in a lot of ways. And Rick, you know, trying to learn that, you know, 
you can't always be on the road. You know, you got to survive, but, you know, at some point you got to stop. You have to find a place. You know, Michonne's arc, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good character work. Carol and what they've done with Carol, Darrow, and, and how he's grown. I could go on. I, 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 that's what fascinates me about this show. The psychological aspect of it has always fascinated me, but, you know, they, they never really focused enough on it. Every, they, they, there was times that they would, but then, you know, you'd get to a point that there'd be another stunt, like there'd be another big event, an explosion or another death or something like this, something like that. And it, it, it kind of just, that was it. You know, and then you'd be on to the next event. And you would, ha- and the characters wouldn't react to anything. That was one of my biggest qualms about season four, was that nobody reacted to anything. Everything that happened at the prison, yeah, we saw them all depressed and stuff, but after an episode or two, that was it. Everybody was kind of over it and just kind of, oh, well, you know, let's just uh, move on. i got to keep going, you know. I mean, Maggie suffered the worst damage. They had her running around looking for Glenn. She never gave a crap about Beth. I mean, that was a major plot hole. But at least they gave that some focus in Season 5. You look at some of these newer characters, Eugene, Abraham, Rosita, Tara, they got some focus in Season 5 they desperately needed. Desperately. I mean, that's, that's what I love about this. So I really think the show is doing nothing, it's getting better. And I think them being in Alexandria now, as we go into Season 6, it's going to give them the chance to continue to evaluate these characters and look at these characters and focus on the psychological aspect of all these characters and what's, what's going through their minds and how they've changed. And I think now that they've been able to just stay put and not just keep going to the next, you know, area, the next event, they can kind of decompress a little bit and we can kind of focus on them and where, and where they've gone and what they've become. And that was the main tagline for Season 5, what, do, what they become. And it was fascinating. So, to me, this is hard to do. Because I think the show's never been better. But I also recognize, too, that there's a significant part of the audience that doesn't, that this watches this show. And it's not meant to be a criticism. Or meant to, don't t- and not to be twisted as negative. There's a significant part of the audience that watches the show that just wants to see zombies attack and, you know, get killed and, big action sequences, and, you know, they don't want to sit there and wait a whole season for something to happen. They don't like the slow, drawn-out character stuff. They don't like that. And I can see that, and I can understand why they might not want that. I can see there's a lot of people that are probably upset about some of the characters that got killed off, whether it was the actor's decision to leave or not. I get all that. I I, I understand all that. I, w- I do think the show, you know, I think what's helping the show right now is that, uh, that they do have a bigger cast so they can kind of mix it up a little bit. I think that will help. I think they'll help add some variety. I think they'll also keep the action moving. You can keep flipping to different stories and that'll keep things moving. So I think one of the problems is they've been only focusing on certain characters, you know, and I think that's bothered some people. I think, you know, even though we got some of these great character things this year, this season, this past season, a lot of it, you know, was interspersed with, you know, a lot of Rick and a lot of Carol and a lot of Daryl and a lot of 
one. I mean, and people are sitting there like, well, wait a minute, what about Abraham? Wait a minute, what about Sasha? Or Carl? I, I understand that. I understand that. People want a little bit more of a balance. You know, they want more action. They they, they don't want these, what, what people like to call these ISO episodes where they just focus on one or two characters, which has been Walking Dead kind of thing the last season and a half. I, you know, people don't like those. So that's taken away some of people's enjoyment. People don't like them. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, maybe, you know, maybe if you're walking dead, you don't do as many of those in a row. And I think they got away from that pretty well in the latter half of season five. You know, if you want to see the group together, well, you're going to see the group together now because all of Alexandria. So they rectified that in a lot of ways. And that was one of the biggest criticisms, too, I saw was, oh, gosh, man, I'm sick of the group being separated. Well, now they're not. I think a lot of the things that people are upset about, just judging by what I've read and what I've heard, got fixed the minute they all got to Alexandria. Because now I think that the fact that they're able to stop and settle in an area and all they're all together, I think it's going to open up a lot of doors for the storytelling. I think it's going to please a lot of people. I think it's a good thing. I think overall people are going to enjoy it more. And we should be building some interesting things if you read the comics. So I think that will please some people, too. You'll get more action. You'll get some big stuff coming up. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of the things that they wanted to do, a lot of the things that they maybe had in mind originally got derailed because some of these actors, again, got other jobs or wanted to leave the show. So they had to change things. I think in some ways they had to change things on the fly. So in, in that case, you can't blame them. For me right now... For me right now, I give the show a I give the show an A minus for last season. I, again, I do think they can lay off the you know episodes with just a few characters. Try not to do too many of them in a row. That would be something I would do as an improvement. Um, I would keep going with the storylines that they're going, the character driven story, and keep focusing on give us enough time for the characters to breathe, let them react. Keep focusing on what this does to the characters. We can't have stunt after stunt after stunt after stunt. I understand people want action, but you can't. You have to have variation. I, you know, I, you know, keep focus, keep integrating the cast the way you did over the last few episodes of season five, where everybody has a purpose, everybody gets involved. You know, keep doing that. Um, keep giving Sasha. Tanika Martin Green has been phenomenal. Keep giving her what you're giving her. She has been a revelation in the second half of season five. Amazing performance by performances by her. Keep giving her good material. Keep giving the lovely Melissa McBride, who's been to me the MVP of this show for the last two seasons. Keep giving her this material. You know, to me, there's far more positives here and very few negatives. Keep up the high production quality. I love the 90-minute episode at the end of the season. They're going to do a 90-minute episode to start the season. Keep that up. I like that. You know, too often I've heard them say that, 
you know, oh, we couldn't fit everything into the finale we wanted to, but then they get the 90-minute episode and they're able to fit everything in. Keep doing that. If you've got more material you want to add, especially if it's focused on character, keep doing it. Keep adding it. I want to see it. Those would be my suggestions. And I know that's not a lot. I know that's not a lot because, again, I don't feel the show's in trouble. How can you? You know, I understand there's a lot there's some a lot of people that feel much more negatively than me. But look at the ratings are up, or even or as high as they've ever been. Most people think the show is amazing. I think it's on a creative high. I, I really like where the show is right now. Return of Morgan, I love I love where they're going with the show right now. But to those that don't, you know, I I I recognize your points. I disagree on a number of them. I made a couple of little suggestions. That's all I would really do is tweak a few things. I honestly can't imagine changing. See, that's the thing. If I really like where the show is, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention drastic changes. From my standpoint, I wouldn't. If I like the show, why would I? Yeah, it's not perfect, which is why I suggested a few minor changes, a few tweaks. That's all I can really suggest because I I I think the show's very good right now. So, so this is one of those re- kind of TV report card segments where. You evaluate it, but it's hard to evaluate it because, on one hand, you know there's a lot of people out there that feel much more negatively than you, but you can't. From my standpoint, there's not a whole lot I can say negatively and not a whole lot I can suggest to fix something I don't think needs fixing. So that's why this, you got what you got in this segment. So it is what it is. All right, so let's put that aside, and let's end the night. Let's do some entertainment news. And right now it's it's 1037, so we're not going to go too much longer here. Um, again, because it is it is getting pretty late. Um, let's do some entertainment news again here. Sorry, I was checking out something from Jeff Tech here. And um, let's see here. What big news here is there out there that uh, one of the big news today that got out was Sesame Street partnering with HBO for five seasons. It would still own... um, Sesame Workshop, the nonprofit educational organization behind Emmy winning program Sesame Street, HBO to announce new partnerships that will make the next five seasons of the series available on HBO and its multiplex channels. Sesame will be able to produce almost twice as much new content as previously and for the first time ever make the show available free of charge to PBS and its member stations after a nine month window. Um, next five seasons of Sesame Street. Uh, Sesame Workshop produced a Sesame Street Marvel spin-off series, as well as develop a new original educational series for children. They also have the license to over 150 library episodes of Sesame Street. New episodes will begin airing as early as late fall 2015. HBO will be the exclusive first-run subscription television distribution partner for Sesame Street in the new series. Now, interesting thing, interesting piece of news. Um... A lot of people are wondering why they would do this. First of all, if you've been following what's been going on um, behind the scenes at Sesame Street, you know that, you know, they probably needed this financially. 
They're doing it to expand the brand. It allows them to air more episodes. I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, you're probably going to see a lot of families, you know, compl- a lot of parents complain, you know, especially people that do not have HBO. I realize HBO has become a fairly common thing now as opposed to 20 years ago. But, you know, most people, I, as far as I know, have HBO. And, and keep in mind, too, PBS is still going to have Sesame Street. It's just that, you know, it's for newer episodes, you're going to have to wait a, 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 like nine months till nine months after for it to air on, on PBS. They'll still rerun episodes. So your kids will, if you don't get HBO, eventually your kids will still get, you still get those new episodes. And they can rely, rely on reruns in, in the interim. And this won't start till late. I mean, so in that case, it's not like they're taking Sesame Street completely off PBS and airing exclusively on HBO. If they were doing that, then I can kind of see why people would be upset. But, you know, from a kid's standpoint, look, most kids don't even realize when, a, when an episode is a rerun. Okay, so if you don't want to pay for HBO, you don't get HBO already, then you know what happens? Then you, don't, then you know what happens? You turn it on to PBS at the same time as Sesame Street's always aired, and you watch a rerun. You watch a rerun. If Sesame Street has to do this to survive, then they have to do this to survive. From an HBO standpoint, this is terrific news because it's going to help them get into a demographic that they probably are not doing particularly well in because HBO doesn't exactly have a lot of children's shows outside of their family network. And even then, a lot of them are just reruns. This is going to be an exclusive first-run kind of thing for them. So it's a cool idea for them, and it's a good way to reach a demographic that they probably would like to, you know, better reach. But it's an interesting piece of news for sure. And cue the jokes of all everybody saying, oh, you're going to have uh, – uh, Big Bird drinking beer and stuff. I mean, you're not going to have that. Come on. But still, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting thing. Um, there's been a lot of talk lately about um, a lot of talk lately about a Xeno Warrior Princess reboot. And uh, NBC confirmed that talk today. Um, this was, there's been a lot of talk about whether it be a continuation um, or just a complete reboot. Um, Lucy Lawless has indicated a lot of interest in the project, has said that she'd love to be a part of it in one way, shape, or form. Um, for most, peop- most people would really like this a continuation. Lucy could still do the, play the part. We all know she could still play the part. Um but generally, generally speaking, it uh, looks like it's going to be more of a reboot. NBC has mentioned it today. Um, I know for a lot of people, they don't like that idea. They want Lucy. See, see I think for a lot of people, some, every once in a while, you know, some, a reboot might be pitched. And people will say, oh, okay, I like that. I can get around that as a reboot, you know. It's been enough time has passed. You know, Xena was on for a significant amount of time. Um, and maybe if Lucy was not able to play the part any longer, then maybe, maybe people would have been like, okay, reboot it. But because Lucy is still in great shape, because Lucy could still portray this character, people do not, do not, 
want anybody else to play Xena. So because of that, because of that, you got a lot of resistance to this reboot. Which to me isn't good because to me, if if you did a continuation, or maybe just have, and maybe they'll still do this. I, I don't know. Maybe they can still have Lucy be a part of it as a mentor. You know what I mean? Maybe she's still Xena, and this allows them to bring out a character like her daughter. I mean, I don't know. They can be creative or something. I mean, but if you have Lucy still involved in this show in some way, then maybe this works. Because then you don't disinterest, you know, the core fan base of the show. And it has a core fan base. You don't turn them off immediately and cut yourself off to potential potential audience. Because let's face this. Let's face the facts here. You don't, you know, in this day and age, you do not, do not want to turn off potential viewers right out of the gate. You want to try to interest as many people as possible right out of the gate. That's the best way to ensure that your show has the best chance. So if you turn them off immediately when they're clamoring for Lucy Lawless and they're not going to accept anything else unless she's involved in some way, then that's not good. To me, if you're going to do this project, try to figure out a way for her to be involved. Not necessarily, she don't even have to be the lead if you don't want. Now, of course, if you make her the lead, then all power to you, then you're probably going to get a, you know, you're going to get those core fans. But even if you have her as a mentor or, you know, in a supporting role, you'll probably still get those core fans because they want to see her. So I think long and hard about this if I was NBC. I would try to involve her. And again, for all I know, they might still. Okay, I'm not saying that they won't. I'm not saying that they won't, but from the outset, the fact that NBC mentioned continuation, that, that it's not going to be a continuation, then to me that means that they're going to reboot the entire thing. And again, ordinarily you might not be concerned about that. Ordinarily you might be okay with that. But again, because it's, a lot of the popularity is derived from Lucy Lawless playing that character, and Lucy has gone on record saying that she would be interested in the project, she'd be interested in portraying the character again or being involved. You know, her fans are like, all right, she wants to be involved, make her involved. If you don't do that, then you, you alienate them. So much of that character and so much of that property is tied to her that I think you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage right out of the gate if you do not involve her in some way. So I would think long and hard before I made that project not involve Lucy Wallace. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, those are two of the bigger, uh, some of the things, uh, two of the bigger stories from recently and from this week. <coughs> um, I also want to highlight, I don't know if I, <coughs> pardon me, anybody's <coughs> seen it, excuse me. Um, there's going to be a Heath Ledger documentary. Um, chronicling his life. A clip has gotten out which shows footage of Heath's father, Kim, looking at his diary from his journal from um, when he portrayed the Joker. And it shows writings in there, pictures in there. You know, the journal has um, thoughts on its inspiration for the character and his thoughts. I mean, it's a really fascinating clip. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's a short clip, but it's there. 
And obviously this documentary would be really, really interesting. I encourage everybody that's interested or anybody that even, you know, doesn't know that anybody that's just interested in film in general to check this documentary out when it's released. I don't know when it's going to be released, but keep an eye on it. Follow this, this uh, the development of this project um, because it's, it's fascinating. He Obviously, he was a tremendous actor, and that was an iconic role that he portrayed. And obviously, a tragic death. He was taken long before he, he should have been. Um, may he rest in peace. And again, thoughts and prayers to his family, friends, and loved ones who are still mourning him. Um, but I, I encourage everybody to check this out, this documentary, when it does get released, because I think it's going to be fascinating. And again, check out this clip, because it's a really interesting clip promoting the documentary. You know, if, it, if, that, if that doesn't get you interested, I don't know what will. It looks like a fascinating um Fascinating documentary. Um, so that that little bit of news was out there. Um, and I want I want to um, the last thing we're going to talk about is, as far as news goes. I want to tie back to something that took place last week. There's a couple other things I want to get to, but we just don't have the time. So the last thing I'm going to do is this because we got a lot of mail on this because a lot of people praised this for the the marketing genius of it. Um, for those that do not know, the Muppets will be back on television in the fall. They're having a show on ABC that is, in many ways, a mockumentary. Uh, it's really like Modern Family, where the characters, you know, kind of talk you through what they're going through and stuff. Um, a lot wasn't known of this project until now. I mean, TV Guide did a, a cover story on it. Which, <laughs> it's the Muppets, so don't be surprised. And the cover story gave us the you know gave us more information. A lot of it revolves around Piggy's late night show, and so that's interesting. But the but the biggest the biggest thing uh, thing um, about that, uh, the development was the big announcement of the breakup of Piggy and Kermit. Which, you know, was so huge an announcement, both characters had to, you know, m- uh, mention on Twitter, went into full explanations on Twitter. They, you know, in, in the TV Guide article, they talked about it at length. They did a whole in-character interview. And it, it's been just amazing. They, had, they, they obviously with the Muppets, they always play it off like they're real actors and stuff and you know, they try to be, like, professional and something. That's what they kept saying. Oh, we're going to continue to be professional and work together. We're just going to see other pigs and other frogs. And they played this thing out all week, and it was trending on Twitter, and everybody was devastated. And, of course, it's like the first time Piggy and Kermit broke up. Um, but at any event, you know, there's a lot of talk about this. And people, I was seeing a lot of emails from listeners saying, boy, you know what? Like, the attention this got was amazing. Of course, it's the Muppets. They're very popular, but... I would say five, six years ago, it wouldn't have gotten the attention it got, but because of the movies, they've kind of brought them back a little bit. But, yeah, it, the attention it got was huge. And, you know, many of you noted this. You said, wow, it, it, this is a great marketing ploy. You know, as the, the show's going to start next month. What a way to kind of get people like, wow. And, and you know, you're right. It, it, it was, it's clever. It got everybody's attention. You know, gave them a focal point for the, for the TV Guide story. Um, and, and look, here's the thing. If you're going to do this show, okay, you're, gonna, you're treating this like, you know, like a modern family show. You're focusing on the lives of the Muppets. You know, like in, in one of the promos, 
for the show. You got Fozzie dating a girl and going to meet her family and stuff. Like, you know, you're treating this like they're, they're you know, they're going about their lives. Well, if this is going to be the case, then you have to, you have to have long-arching stories. And what better long-arching story for a television show is, is there than having a, a couple, having two star-crossed lovers, and, and playing this out over the length of your show. Because we all know people want Piggy and Kermit together, right? So this gives you a storyline at the heart of the show where we keep tuning in, waiting for Piggy and Kermit to find their way back together. And then once that happens, how they live together, how they go about, or will their old comp, will the complications that split them up so much come back to haunt them again? You know, it gives the show a long arching story. It's a great idea. You know, it gives the show a hook. It gives the show something fascinating. It gives the show a character structure. I think it's an, it was an absolutely brilliant marketing strategy, actually a brilliant ploy, and from a storyline and writing and character standpoint, breaking off the good thing because, that again, it gives you that couple to root for. You tune in every week and go, I need Piggy and Kermit to be together. I need to see how they get back together. I want to see how the relationship comes back together. So it's not just the marketing of it and how seriously they took it and they got, you know, they got on Twitter and Facebook and they got the story of TV Guy. You know, they did that wonderfully, the Muppets, and they've always done good things like that. But doing it doing it you know, the storyline Doing the storyline part, I'm sorry, folks, I was checking out something that Jeff texted at me. Um, again, when you're by yourself, you have to do everything. Um, you know, the, this from a storyline standpoint and a writing standpoint, it's a great way to hook people, get them invested right away, give them something that's going to keep them coming back every week to get a payoff to. It's a great way to do that. It's a great way to build investment. And people care about the characters. You don't even have to develop the relationship. We've all seen the relationship develop over years or decades. We already care about it. Now you just take us on the journey from start to finish. It's brilliant. So kudos to them. I, brilliant. And I'll be right there tuning in to see how it all develops. I, I think they did a really good job doing that. And, and marketing-wise, they did a good job. Writing-wise, I think it's the right thing for the show. I, I mean, that's, they, kudos to them. Kudos to them. Um, all right, so with that being said, we, we are done. We have covered everything that we need to cover. Um, again, there's a couple of little entertainment news things I, I wanted to get to, but again, we're already running late enough as this, so we're just going to stop right there. Um, we'll, t- we'll table those, and, you know, when we have time, we'll get into some of those other things that I want to get into. But anyway, any event, we are done for tonight. The show might be over. That does not mean you have to stop interacting and contributing with us during our show. I mean, I mean, pardon me, interacting and contributing with us. You can continue to do so even though the show is over. You can send us feedback, topic ideas related to sports entertainment, wrestling, breaking news items related to sports entertainment, wrestling. You want to make sure that we cover um, comments, reactions, anything we said on the show, or comments, reactions to anything you talked about on the show or whatever. Um, 
questions about the show and show scheduling, any of those things, you can send us via email at itspotlight411 at gmail.com. Or you can follow us and tweet us at itspotlight411. Again, it's at itspotlight411. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag itspotlight or hashtag itspotlight411 for anything you tweet regarding our show. And, again, you can also find us on Facebook by searching for us using the full title of our show, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our Facebook page, like our page, and go ahead and post whatever it is you'd like to post. So Facebook, Twitter, email, you've got plenty of ways to interact and, cont- and interact with us and contribute to our show. And we do encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest information about our show, especially as it relates to scheduling. Uh, so give, give, you know, just look at what happened tonight with the show having to be later and, and last, everything happening last minute. That's why it's important to follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest information. But if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, uh, our talk show, show page is another good way to get information. Um, you want to check that page out regularly, particularly show days. Tuesdays and Thursday nights are a normal show night, so you want to check it out, especially on Tuesdays and Thursdays, particularly Tuesdays and Thursday nights. But, again, check in regularly or daily because sometimes we might have to change, you know, do a show on a day we don't usually do it or have something change last minute. So check the the show page out regularly, even on weekends, you know, and check it out. So check it out regularly. That way you can catch up if you happen to miss an episode or you can find out if you miss an episode you can catch up. You can find our most recent episode in two locations, either in the most recent episode box in the top right-hand corner or, in the, or in, the, in the episode archive at the bottom of the page for the most recent episode will be right at the top of the archive. All episodes in that archive are in order from most recent to the oldest. You can find all, find all of our episodes since our move to talk to you in that archive. Again, all it listed in order from most recent to the oldest. So if you're interested... Uh, if you have to catch up or you're just interested in checking out an episode again, you can check out those episodes in the archive. And then from a scheduling standpoint, I don't usually schedule shows any earlier than, you know, maybe a half hour at most before showtime. Usually it's last minute, like two minutes before the show starts. So you know we're definitely having a show. Uh, there's a couple ways you definitely know we're having a show. When I schedule a show, you have a countdown clock that appears in the top right-hand corner near the most recent episode box. And you'll have an upcoming episode listing above the episode archive at the bottom of the page, which gives you all the information about our next episode. When you see those two things, you know we're definitely having a show. And usually you know it's imminent, like it's coming up in the next few minutes. So, you know, when you see those things, you know we're definitely having a show. You know when it's going to be. You know everything about it. So you want to keep hitting the, the refresh button and make sure the page is up to date so you don't miss that information. So especially on show nights, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So... That's how the Talk Shoe Show page can help you. It helps you with scheduling. It helps you with catching, keeping up on episodes, catching up on episodes. So make sure you utilize it whenever you need to. Again, that you can find us here. Again, that's all here on our main show page on TalkShoe.com, which you can find by searching for us using the full title of our show, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. You can also check us out on our second home, Libsyn.com, where you can find all of our most recent episodes, you can download them and listen to them anytime. They're in order from the, from the most recent date to the oldest, all labeled for you for your convenience. So if you're interested in checking out any of our more recent episodes, you can check them out on our second home, Libsyn.com. Again, you can find us on Libsyn.com by searching for us using the full, t- full title of our show, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. With our fifth anniversary coming up, you might be feeling nostalgic, so you might want to listen to some episodes again. Or maybe you've never listened to some of our older episodes. Whatever the case may be, you can check... 
some of our older episodes out on blogtalkradio.com. Just find our old show page by searching for us using the full title of our show, In the Spotlight with Brian Garden. And then once you find our old show page, scroll down, and you'll find all 31 of our original episodes. The first 31 episodes ever of our show are on there from the most recent date to the oldest. They're all labeled for you. So if you're interested in checking out those episodes for the first time or maybe you've already listened to them and just want to listen to them again, whatever the case may be, feel free to go check us out anytime over on blogtalkradio.com. I apologize. Still no update on iTunes. Still working on it. Hopefully next week we will have... Um, up, uh, a positive update on that And everything worked out um, So hopefully that works out um, I want to thank Jeff Tech for being here tonight And for being with me this week While I've been by myself Thank you Jeff Tech as always my friend um, You know Justin wasn't Justin's never here But you know Still hope he's doing well I, still, I know I brought him up But he's never here So but Anyway, hope he's doing well. Um, Grab Mike is back in town. Um, we'll be seeing he'll be back on the show on Tuesday. Justin will probably be on the show next Thursday too, but Mike will be back with us on Tuesday. Um, so hopefully he's getting some much needed rest, and we we eagerly anticipate his return on Tuesday. So hope all is well with him. And of course, I want to thank myself for another great show. Pat myself on the back and thank all of you for your continued support and contributions to the show. Thank you so much for listening. And again, thank you for your patience and understanding with the late start time tonight and the last-minute uh, delay as well. Thank you so much. We do appreciate that. Um, we are done for this week. Again, next week, two special episodes. Tuesday, which is August 18th, this coming Tuesday, August 18th, a big show, the announcement of the fifth annual In the Spotlight TV Award nominations. We will announce the nominations. We'll also announce those awards. You can vote on live during the In the Spotlight TV Awards on Thursday, September 17th. We'll announce what awards you can vote on live during that broadcast and tell you all you need to know to be involved with that process. So that's a big show coming up on Tuesday. And then next Thursday will be an all-wrestling show. Of course, that's August the 20th. And we'll be previewing WWE's SummerSlam pay-per-view. We'll go we'll over all the matches, make predictions, and as always, address questions and comments related to wrestling from the listeners. And again, and you know, if we have to, if there's anything from sports or entertainment we have to discuss or anything we want to fit in, it'll probably be on Thursday. So we might even do a little sports or, sports or entertainment on Thursday as well. So be aware of all that. Um, as we go into next week, Tuesday, TV award nominations announced. Thursday, an all-wrestling show preview in WWE SummerSlam pay-per-view. And then the two weeks after that, we'll only be airing one show, both shows on Tuesdays. So keep that in mind as far as scheduling goes for the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's that. All right, so we are done for this week. I hope you all have a great weekend and a great start to your week next week and a great rest of your night, as obviously, as well. We'll see you back here for our next show. This coming Tuesday night, August 18th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, back in our normal time slot, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Both shows next week, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Keep that in mind. Again, our next show, this coming Tuesday night, August 18th. Again, this coming Tuesday night, August 18th, broadcasting live here on Talk Show at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We will announce the nominations for the 5th Annual In the Spotlight TV Awards, as well as make announcements related to the live-voted awards that you can vote on live during our TV Awards broadcast on September 17th. Big show coming up on Tuesday. Until then, I hope you all have a great night and a great weekend. Good night, everybody.